And welcome back to the Twins Wrap, brought to you by Jefferson Lions. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you. And, uh, well, it's uh, my first time to get to talk to uh, Mr. Bramer. Hello, sir. How are you? We're doing fine. We're eager to get down to Fort Myers and uh, watch the Twins play in the sunshine this weekend. <laughs> so you're on your way? Is that the, the deal? No, no, not yet. I'm uh, uh, going to head down on Saturday. We've got three telecasts coming up uh, the final week of spring training, and uh, um, it's uh, it's uh, something to look forward to every year, but especially this year because the winter's been just, as everybody knows, really, really brutal, uh, what, eighth snowiest winter we've had in this part of the world. So it's time for baseball and time for spring. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, from afar, what you're you know watching, and listening to, what are your you know early observations? Maybe the top couple coming out of this uh, 2023 spring training. Well, hopefully they won't need it. But what I uh, am most impressed with was how the Twins of uh, the front office has deepened the 40-man roster, and actually beyond that, uh, last year was one of those you know awful years where everybody on the 40-man roster. Uh, got a chance to play for the big leagues, and that's hardly optimum. You want your top 26 players doing the bulk of the playing for you, but with all the injuries and everything, uh, the organizational depth was tested. Some might even say exposed. And the way it looks now in terms of backup to you know different positions, whether it's the outfield, the infield, the starting rotation, the bullpen, I think this is going to be one of the deepest teams, the twin deepest teams that the Twins have had in quite some time. Is there any point for concern yet to see guys like Polanco and Buxton that have not played in spring training yet? Is there concern for that, or are we are are they still? Do you think on track to to begin the year on opening day? Well, I, as I said, we're going to be doing three telecasts in the final week, and if they're not playing in those games, then I think there's reason for concern. By all accounts, uh, Polanco and Buxton have been very active, uh, physically getting ready for the season. The only concern might be, and I'm not so sure it's a concern that much uh, anymore, is having game at bats. Uh, you know, Kirby Puckett, for instance, always felt like he, in spring training, benefited from having 50 at bats to get his timing down and, and mechanically. Uh, be ready for the start of the season. Well, that's not going to happen for Byron or for Jorge. But if they're working on things and if they're, you know, strengthening the the knees that were so problematic for each of them last year and they can get those at-bats in, uh, hopefully they'll be ready to go when we uh, leave. Two weeks from today, we leave from Fort Myers for Kansas City to get the season started. Yeah, well, hopefully they have less snow than the Twin Cities, that is for sure, down the Missouri well, area. I, I've i been looking, and uh, right now it's looking like uh, opening day, the temperature is going to be in the high, is going to be in the upper to uh, mid to 50s in Kansas City. We'll take that. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you a little bit about you know Monday's game against the Yankees. Max Kepler hits a home run. He's a guy who intrigues me. You know, a lot of talk about him with the banning of the shift, and it was nice to see him get a home run. And I just kind of wonder if this is going to be a bounce back year for him. Well, it could be, and, I, and that's the hope. You know, you can tell by looking at Max. He's he's a great great athlete, and with the banning of the shifts. Uh, only going to be two infielders on the right side. Some of those two hoppers are going to find a hole. Uh, it's been interesting, though, in the case of Joey Gallo, who is another Twins player this year, 
has been greatly impacted by the shift. Um, and it didn't keep, I think it was the Red Sox, uh, a week or so ago, took their left fielder and put him in short right field, which is where the second baseman typically had played both Gallo and Kepler. So Max may see some variation of the shift that still might put somebody on the right side of the field or only, you know, deep in the outfield grass and it being maybe a left fielder rather than a second baseman. Guys, well, trying to get away from the shift. Do they just have to get to the point, though? This is what I've been harping on is they're just going to have to try to hit them where they ain't. I know it's easier said than done, but I think you can try to draw the lines in the sand all you want in the world of baseball, but everyone's going to try to, you know, get the advantage that they can. Well, and that's, uh, you know, been my position, too. Uh, you know, we first saw, oddly enough, a right-handed batter Brian Dozier years ago, teams would ship him to the full side. And, you know, we said time and time again, just push the ball to the right side. And it is easier said than done. And one of the reasons that's the case is the increased velocity that we see in the game now. You know, it wasn't that long ago the average Major League fastball was 88-89. Well, now it's 94. And it's harder to display bat control when, you know, the the pitch is getting there a foot and a half quicker than it used to. And so I, I'm willing to give the hitter some slack and some benefit of the doubt that it's just not as easy to use the whole field as it used to be. But then, of course, Luis Arise kind of, you know, brought back the notion that, well, if they put me, if they play me over here, I'm going to hit it over there. And that's what led to his winning the batting title. Alex Kirilov as well is another guy. You hope he plays at first base, um, you know, with without a rise. You know, they think they'd like to have Miranda play at third base. Is a guy like Solano, does Gallo play first? Is it kind of a mix thereof? What do you what do you think coming in? Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Alex start uh, not with the major league club, maybe even staying in Florida after they break camp or being assigned to St. Paul just to get, you know, that wrist uh, re, you know the restructured risk built up again. Uh, I think, especially you mentioned Kepler, I think we'll see quite a bit of Joey Gallo at first base. Uh, he's you know big target over there, right at six six, and uh, he's a great athlete. Should be able to adapt, one would think, to the footwork and all that at first base. And it might be even by Memorial Day, barring injury, uh, where we. Uh, get to that point of the season before Alex comes up to the big leagues, hopefully to stay. I've said this for years. I think Alex Kirilov is going to be a multi-all-star game player for the Minnesota Twins. He just needs to get and stay healthy, and let's hope that 2023 is that year. You know, this is one thing that Brad mentioned quite a bit in the offseason, getting more solidified at catcher. What have you, you know, as far as Jeffers and Vasquez, it seems to be a pretty good one-two punch there, and I, I think that could really be a difference in this for this team coming up. What, what's your take so far early on in the spring with the catching situation? Yeah, and I, I think what we'll see once we get going in earnest, if we haven't already seen it in spring training, you've got to have a catcher who can throw. And Vasquez can do that, and I, and I think you know, there's a reason the Twins signed him to a three-year deal, uh, and it may allow Ryan Jeffers to just a little more quietly uh, develop behind the plate. Uh, Ryan's considered, I think, more of a 
So he's a good game caller, uh, but more of an offensive threat. And it might be a situation where, you know, Ryan will only be catching a couple times a year, but maybe that'll be good for him to kind of take some of the pressure off. You know, he was kind of thrust into the primary catching job uh, with just a handful of big league at-bats. But I think we'll see teams doing a lot more running until or less or until they're discouraged by having a catcher back there who can throw a lot of runners out. You know, pitching wise, you know, I think the rotation. And we talked about kind of the depth of the team. You know, guys like uh, guys like Winder, guys like Bailey Ober. Ober's had a really nice spring. There's no guarantee he's going to be in the rotation. He might be starting the year in St. Paul. Right, and that's the 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 depth that we spoke of earlier. That you know, look at last year when you know Sonny Gray got started late, and then he was hurt for a while. Ryan was out with uh, a bout of COVID. Uh, Maeda was gone all year long. You know, you've got five pretty good veterans. Uh, Malley's going to be hopefully healthy and and be one of the uh, top pitchers on the staff. Uh, You know, they're they're going to have some depth uh, in St. Paul that hopefully they won't need. And I wouldn't be surprised, having said that, that we see the Twins not early in the season when they're built in off days, but uh, very soon after that, uh, employ a six-man rotation. And I'm not so sure that's not the direction the game is going anyway. With so little expected of starting pitchers now, you can start them, and if they give you five good innings, you're probably happy with what they did. Uh, and we may see that spread over six men uh, in a rotation rather than five. You mentioned Joe Ryan. I mean, obviously he was uh, you know, quite a pickup in the trade, you know, late season and you know, a couple of years ago with the Rays, and he's really stepped up. I mean, is he going to be maybe the guy? Because he certainly was a big reason that this team was in contention all the way to September. I think what we'll see with Ryan in the rotation, hopefully Maeda's healthy, the other guys that we've uh, uh, mentioned, Pablo Lopez, um, this Twins team, which, you know, position by position, uh, and the bench, too, should be – you know, in, in pretty good shape health-wise, this starting rotation is going to give the team a really good chance to win every night or every day. I really think this is going to be a, a much-improved team if they stay healthy, particularly on the pitching side, uh, and it's going to make it less important, you know, if you're going to have a big series, say, with the White Sox, well, we got to have Sonny Gray pitch in this series, or we have to have Joe Ryan pitch. Because I think one through five, one through six, one through seven, uh, the guys have proven that they can get people out up here in the big leagues. And I think that's really going to make it for, for a very fun season. With the possibility of a six-man rotation, that's kind of maybe one thing in a pitching staff you maybe don't have as much anymore is the, the long reliever, the guy that can you, you can stretch out for two, three innings or so. Is there... Is there a guy in the Twins, possibility in the Twins rotation, Twins staff that might fit that bill? Well, it could be over, but then you want him stretched out too. And if he doesn't make the major league club, uh, you want him stretched out too uh, for the St. Paul club to be able to step up and make a start uh, uh, if on call, uh, if somebody gets hurt. So, you know, you want somebody who's got enough stuff to get through a lineup one time. We hear so much about not wanting the starters to face a lineup the third time. Well, by extension, then, every pitcher 
should have enough stuff. If he's a major league pitcher, he should have enough stuff to face each hitter at least once. Uh, and maybe that'll be part of uh, the evolution of the, the game as well, that, that pitchers uh, won't be just one-inning pitchers anymore. Uh, if they've got enough stuff to, you know, take, a, you know, a credible one or two innings, maybe go ahead and give them that third inning as well. Dick, uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, and we've, you know, talking a lot about baseball, you, you anyone who follows you on Twitter, a couple things here. Obviously, this week we have to sadly celebrate, you know, Kirby Puckett's birthday in heaven, you know, and and another person also, uh, you know, passed. And you've mentioned your close friendship with Bud Grant and. Boy, you want to talk about sports icons, those two. I mean, it's one, two, and I don't know which one is one or two, if you ask me. Yeah, and I don't want to um, uh, uh, overstate my relationship with Bud. I did have a relationship with him and lobbied for him, oddly enough, to work with me on Gopher basketball telecast years ago when they were looking for somebody. And, of course, out of respect for his uh, athletic ability. He was a, you know, he played in the NBA for crying out loud. Uh, I mentioned to him that, uh, you know, the Gophers were looking for somebody to be the analyst on the telecast and he was interested and I'm really saddened that it, it didn't develop because I think, you know, working with him would have been a, a hoot and I would have learned an awful lot about the game of basketball. But really, I think what separated Bud from pretty much everybody else in the sports market here for at least as long as I've been alive uh, a lot of not football lessons to be learned, but life lessons that Bud imparted. And I think that's why he was so beloved. Um, he's was from Wisconsin, but we all considered him to be one of us uh, because of his upper Midwest heritage. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. He just had a wonderful perspective on life. And, uh, you know, I found out Saturday, uh, about his passing, and it was like, well, my goodness, why should we be surprised he made it to age 95, a couple months short of his 96th birthday, but he was so vibrant, so alive yet, so late in life. And so it's a, it's a tremendous loss, and I'd, you'd be hard-pressed to come up with anybody who had a greater impact, uh, not just in the sports market, but in our way of life all those years when he was a coach and uh, that continued on after his coaching career was over as well. Oh, Superior, Wisconsin. That's close enough. That's like Fargo Moorhead, right? I mean, just yeah. straight across, yeah. right, right across the bridge. There. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah. To, I, to your point, he's just quintessential Upper Midwest, right? I mean, just think of that stoic feature, and you know, the you know, stand on the sidelines of breath, you know, the breath out of his mouth, you know, during those cold days at Met Stadium. It's just it kind of sums up Minnesota sports to a T. And for your younger listeners who weren't around when he was coaching, you you know him as the guy who came out for the coin flip in a golf shirt when the wind chill was 20 below. And one thing that was revealed with his passing last weekend, that um, that was his idea. He pitched it to the Vikings. It wasn't some marketing guy or PR guy saying, hey, we think it would be really cool if you came out for the coin flip for this playoff game with Seattle in a golf shirt. That was Bud's idea. And a good friend of mine is a wonderful writer, Steve Russian writes still for sports illustrated, but he wrote a wonderful article where he said he was in front of his fireplace in new England someplace. And he watched Bud Grant walk to the center of the field, uh, in a golf shirt 
and he, Steve Russian, was the one who had goosebumps because, you know, we all revered the man so much and, and respected the fact that he didn't feel it was necessary for football players to have heaters on the sidelines. And so here at age, whatever he was, 85 at the time, uh, walked out in a golf shirt with a you know temperature of six below and a windshield of 20 below. That was that was all bud. Yeah, well, very fitting for the last uh, football game at home outside probably for the Vikings too ever most yeah. likely. If Blair Walsh could have just hit the kick, that would have been made it even better. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to re- I don't want to open up that can of worms again and relive that. No, no. <laughs> All right, Dick, thanks so much for your time as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy your trip. Safe travels to you and we'll be uh, anxious to hear from you from Florida next week. You got it, guys. You bet. Dick Bramer with us. Again, the Twins Wrap brought to you by Jefferson Lines.